Hey friends, welcome to Free and Light, a podcast designed to help you slow down and live in rhythm with Jesus so that you can experience the life he offers. This life we call life to the full. Hey, I'm your host, Tim Shelton. And if you've been listening for a little while, then you, you get it by now. You know, the podcast is really just four friends hanging out and talking about the spiritual practices that are currently changing our lives. So today I'm joined by a pretty little lady who has way more hats and scars than any human being should ever have, Kelly Shelton. Hey everyone. It's a true thing. Joining (laughs) Kelly and I, the producer of this show, a man with an alias, Josh Calazano. The secret's out. Is that your real name? Technically, yes. <laughs> Legally, no. It's a problem at the airport. Well, <laughs> although I've never made a no-fly list. <laughs> I get it. Legal name on the bank account. Legal name when you're flying. We found out recently that I guess it also matters when renting a car. Apparently, I think that's does. a conversation for another, another time. Day. That's another right. time. That's right. And last, you know him, you love him. Lover of Star Wars, lover of baseball. But I'm sad to say, if you're listening, Bill Holbrook is not here. He gone. Oh, so sad. What are we going to do without his dry, woody humor? There will be no graphs <laughs> or table charts for us today. Bill, if you're listening, there are no spreadsheets on this show. <laughs> no, no, no spreadsheets, no spreadsheets. Uh, Bill, we miss you, buddy. We love you. We hope you are enjoying your sabbatical. Yeah, what a perfect conversation for the three of us to be having. Obviously, Bill would have so much to say, but we're holding him to his... <laughs> the guy literally took a month off. Yes. He's got like three days left. Yes. At the time of this recording, he has three days left. He is chomping at the bit to get back into some other stuff. But, I mean, we've obviously seen him. We've talked to him, but no work. No work for a month. Just so rest. Good. That's mm-hmm. it. That's it. Um, so, how do you, Bill? Yeah. Well, it's a new month. Friends, if you've been hanging around the podcast a little while, you know at the start of every month, you know we're going to dive into a new spiritual practice. And uh, as Josh alluded to, the new practice for this month is the practice of slowing down. And uh, you might be like, I didn't know that was a thing. Well, hang on to your boots. This is, is that a phrase? Hang on to your boots? I don't think so. It, it is, is now. now. <laughs> it is now. Hang on. We got a great show in store for you today on this practice of slowing down. So I want to start this conversation with a pet peeve of mine. Uh, as I was preparing for the show, I realized apparently I just air all my dirty laundry and all my pet peeves in life. I love that we're show. starting on such a high note. Yes, uh, but- It's usually ours though, um, hence the scarves and hats comment. Oh, no. Right out the gate. Hey. You're not wrong. Uh, Moving on. You. You're not okay. wrong. <laughs> All right. Second pet peeve. Uh, when I ask somebody, hey, how you doing? Oh, no. Mm-hmm. What do you think their answer is? Generally speaking. There's two I come up against, but I kind of know the answer here. Is it good or my least favorite oh, is yeah. fine? Mm. We were talking about that earlier. Mm. But I, I think what you're is like, good, but... Or good and mm-hmm. I'm busy. Mm-hmm. Busy. A busy, yeah, busy. Super busy. And what do we usually say in response to that? Some sort of verbal high five, right? right? Like, like uh, we like, oh yeah, cool. Affirmation, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, me too. too. High five. Me too. Honor. Yeah, me too, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Gosh. So, you know, the reason I say it's a pet peeve is because uh, I used to say a long time ago, <laughs> this is horrible, but why go slow when you can go fast? <laughs> 
<laughs> Do you remember me saying that? Oh my gosh, I've been married to you through that exactly. season. Yes. Like very, very Ricky Bobby of you. <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely. But like we'd be walking down the sidewalk and be like, could you just hurry up? And she'd be like, what are you in a hurry for? I'm like, why would you go slow and you can go fast? Is it like those flat people moving escalators thing at the airport and there's a line? Yeah. And on the right, it says stand. Yes. Yep. On the left, it says walk, but you just see that as Tim. I see it as two things. One, if you're not walking, you're a loser. This is speeding up your life. I don't see it that way anymore. But two, like, oh, look, I can go faster now. Faster than (laughs) I normally can walk with my super boost. Yeah. Why aren't both sides for walking? Right. But I, it drives me nuts now. Uh, And again, this is just, this show is about working out our faith in real time, just sharing what God's doing in our lives. And for years, it was, how fast can I go? How efficient can I be? And now, when I ask that question, like, how are you doing? Here's the crazy thing. I actually want to know how you're doing. Of course. I didn't before. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, it almost seems like most people don't. And when I wait for someone's response, if Mm -hmm. it's a stranger or it's someone at the cash register, they almost look at me weird when they're like, oh, you you actually want to know. Want me to answer that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so when they say busy, I'm like, okay. And then sometimes I'll be like, hey, how are you actually doing? You know, and sometimes they answer and they're like, no, no, no I'm good. I'm just fine. I'm fine. Really I think, busy. I Whatever. think if our friend Bill was here, his favorite question to ask is, tell me more. Tell me more. That's tell me right. more about yeah. that. You're busy. Tell me more. So you're talking about pet peeve. <laughs> this literally happened like maybe at the airport. It was somewhere. Somebody was walking the other way, and it was a situation to where you would want to at least acknowledge the stranger. And my go-to with guys is like either a what's up or how's it going, man? Mm-hmm. And the literal response was not a response. It, it was just a repeat back. I said, how's it going? It was, how's it going? And, and my, <laughs> my mind kind of broke. Like, you didn't even receive what I said as a question. You just asked me the same question That's as a funny. greeting and passing. It was super weird. <laughs> that is weird. Uh, so this busy thing, though, I, the reason I bring it up is it is the stock answer of so many, uh, I'll say Americans, right? Mm-hmm. The American dream is about hustle. It's about busy. And it's almost like um, American culture says, like, hey, busy is a badge of honor. Like, if you're not busy, what are you doing with your life? Like, let's always be teetering on the edge of burnout. Like, that's where success lies, is right there. Yep. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because success slash accomplishment slash, in business world, upward mobility comes at a cost or like uh, Mm -hmm. the other way is like the pathway is like, well, then I have to move faster and do more. Yep. The only way I can do more and be more effective is if I move faster at whatever it is. could be a business thing, a workplace thing, or even just like life in general. Maybe you're someone who is at home and you're taking care of the house. Well, I've got to do all these things. So I just need to do them faster so I can do more Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. It's almost like there's a contrast or juxtaposition. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life to the full. And America says, life to the full is filling it to the fullest. Yeah, life to the stuffed. Life to <laughs> the stuffed. stuffed. I mean, we have like stuffed at the seams. crust pizza. Yes. <laughs> right? you, we, Let's be careful now. Okay, well, yes. That is an American treasure. Yes. That's right. Yeah, when you say that, it makes me think of how often we say yes. I love to say yes. 
I love to be people-y. I love to spend time, you know, with other people. I want to be a people pleaser too. And so it has been a really difficult shift in my personal life to not say yes to every good thing, Mm -hmm. you know, filling it to the fullest. If it's all good stuff, why would I say no? Yeah, And it's everywhere in America. It's in corporate America. It's in the, the soccer club. It's in the swimming club. And it's in the church. I mean, it's everywhere. So the reason I bring it up is, you know, working hard and doing good things is not the problem. I'm not here to bash on anybody's schedule. If you looked at my schedule on paper, you'd be like, wow, you're busy. No, it's full. Mm-hmm. Like like Adam Schultz said in uh, whatever episode it was, you know, on his story. It's like, no, we don't say that word. It's full. Mm-hmm. Because when I think about busy, I think about a hurry. Mm-hmm. And uh, John Mark Comer wrote the book. It's one of our favorites, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. You've heard us talk about it on this podcast. We love it. But what he gets at in the very beginning of the book is the idea that hurry is the great enemy of the soul. And he didn't make that up. That was a Dallas Willard quote. And that's the real problem, because if we're hurried, it's going to be really hard to have spiritual rhythm. And by the way, when I say hurried, I don't mean externally, right? We mean, because we've experienced this, we're, we're trying to unpack this in real time, the internal state of the heart, of the soul, mm-hmm. always in a hurry, not able to be present, kind of like there but not there, mm-hmm. preoccupied. It is that state of being that destroys the soul. I mean, really destroys the soul. And so if you're in a perpetual state of hurry, how can you hear the voice of God? How can you live the life he's called you to? And that is why this practice of slowing is so important. And we have a friend that when he learned this practice of slowing, it changed his life. Justin Thomas, he came to us a couple years ago, um, applied for Refresh, and when we met him, he was exhausted. Typical, tired and worn out, but it wasn't for any other reason than he was just chasing the American dream. You know, we talked about corporate culture and like busy and fast and so forth. And, you know, the crazy thing is it was working. He is successful. He was successful. And it's all this striving and chasing the next thing that took a toll on his family, his marriage, and most importantly, his connection with Jesus. I, I think he would tell you it just wasn't existent for a long time. And it all came back to this perpetual state of hurry. So as we talk about this practice of slowing and what hurry does to our relationship with God, I can't think of a better person for us to learn from than Justin Thomas. So check out this clip of our conversation. Fall of 2019, a day in the life for me would uh, involve um, a 4.30 wake up, workout at five, back to the house by six, out the door, on the train, um, train into the city, work until six, train home, 6.45, seven, depending on the day. Um, Tired, exhausted. And what was interesting is that the quest of all the things I was trying to do and accomplish started becoming less and less of enough to make it worth it. Like it didn't feel like it was worth it anymore. So tiring is probably the best word for 2019 because 2020 the pandemic was hard for a whole bunch of other reasons, but 
in all reality, 2019 was was the most challenging year of my life so far because of, I think, unmet expectations, unrealistic expectations, feelings of failure in all sorts of areas, and just feeling like I wasn't getting done or accomplishing what I needed to. And when I wasn't accomplishing, I equated that to self-worth and who I was. And even though I would I would have I wouldn't even said that back then. I'd be like, nah, what are you talking about? I love the Lord, like it's fine. I'm just gotta go, I just gotta go get it done. But I was living in a way that was like, that was it. Early morning workout, train in, work all day, five to eight meetings, selling clients, things with the office, train home. Then I'd be tired, exhausted, frustrated. So then I'd come home and I was not the best dad, not the best husband, because I was tired, frustrated. And so what happened is my family was getting the worst of me, not the best of me, hands down, moody, irritable, you know, worried and thinking about work when I was at home. Like, what's the point of that? So your wife, Kelly, what were some of the words she would have used to describe you during that season? I would say uh, frustrated, um, unhappy, uh, preoccupied. So it was like wherever I was, I was thinking about the other thing. Just not joyful. Just not, uh, yeah, just not joyful. Not having fun. Not being present in the moment that we were in. You know, whether it was a dinner time and somebody spilled something or whatever, or the, you know, the number of times I'd say, is, is, it, is it just really loud in here? And she's like, no, this is our life. Like, this is just, this is four kids. Um, but in my mind, it was just this deafening, overwhelming thing. And I was like, man, I didn't used to seem like this or feel like this. Like, what's going on? How about your kids? Like, what, what are some of the things your kids maybe would have said about you? Whether, whether they could articulate it or not, but kids are pretty darn perceptive. Like, mm-hmm. They know what's going on. Oh, yeah. It, it was eye-opening because there were several times where one of the girls would ask me a question and Adler would go, hey, guys, hey, dad's got a headache. And that was, that was just like a blanket, like, why are, you up, why are you upset? Why are you tired? Why are you frustrated? It's easy to, to say that to kids or to, that was an understandable thing. And like, hey, hey, dad's got a headache. Just, you know. And I hadn't said I had a headache, but he had just assumed because the way I was acting and what I said before, like, dad's got a headache. Let's don't talk to him. Let's just let him be. Then that probably happened multiple times, but I remember a time when that happened and I was like, Man, he's now trying to tell the girls to like let just leave dad be. And it's like, this is my time to be here. That's not, I don't want that. I'm like, man, it's like that the dad I'm becoming, you know? So that was kind of like a scary moment for me. He doesn't know why, he just knows like, man, he's just edgy and like just, you know, like they felt like a, a secondary or distraction or get the kids to bed so I can just relax, you know? What I'm sort of picking up on a little bit is, uh, while you were a dad and a husband, at least Monday through Friday, you're kind of living separate lives mentally, if not not physically, but mm-hmm. mentally. Like what I mean by that is you're up at four thirty and you're not home at seven. The vast majority of your day is spent away from them. Right. And when you come home, you're so tired, you're you're present, but you're not present. Yeah. I'm physically there, but that's about it. Yeah. So when you think about the word hustle, like where did you learn to hustle? Where did you learn to pursue this thing, this American dream or whatever you want to call it? I think like, like all stories, you got to go back to the beginning. Um, I, think, I think a lot of it has to do with um, where I was raised, where I grew up, what I saw, and like seeing um, people that had opportunity and seeing people that didn't have opportunity and wanting more, wanting what friends had or whatever you want to call it. I grew up, I had a great life, awesome family, family that loves the Lord. Like, I mean just blessings. Um, but I think I just always kind of just wanted more from a stuff perspective. 
income and opportunity and travel and all those things. I don't know why, but I've always just wanted more of that. And so I think that there's been a lot of that that's just been a drive to prove myself that I can do that, to make it, to become successful enough or whatever. And it's it's crazy to me how you can all of a sudden be pursuing something that you didn't think you were pursuing. Like I wouldn't have said, hey, the most important thing in my life is earning a certain amount of income or being achieve, achieving certain things or accomplishing certain things, hitting these goals. But by the time 2019, like the way I was living was saying that that was the most important thing. Um, and that was kind of, just kind of crazy to me. So I don't want to put words in your mouth, yeah. but it kind of sounds to me like you were chasing what a lot of people would call the American dream, whether you call it that or something else. Like, right. If you had to describe, this was my, this is what I was trying to accomplish. This is, this is what I was trying to accomplish. This is what I was working for. What were some of your goals? What is it that you were striving for? I, I think, I think if I boiled it, I think I was striving for ultimately significance, I think. But I don't think that I knew that then or I would have said that, if that makes sense. Like what I was striving for was whatever the next goal was. So whether that was a company objective, um, a certain club trip for sales, um, which, you know, stock and income and trips with Kelly, which is great. And I would earn those and we'd go on them and they were fun and that's all good. But like it was like the chasing the next goal. So basically what I was doing is always living for the next thing. Always. All the time. Record month. It's great. I'm trying to go to the next one. Um, and by the way, there's plenty of people in our company that are doing far, far more than me. It's not like I was the number one guy or anything, but whatever I was achieving, I wanted to achieve more. And that became the most important thing. And then what's interesting is when I wasn't doing, when I wasn't achieving those things, then all of a sudden, then I was having more anxiety. I was having feelings of failure. I was all these things, just like the self perpetuating cycle, right? And that was just a weird place to be. So you had tied your self-worth. sounds like you've tied your self-worth to whatever success you were having in the moment. Totally. And again, I wouldn't set it then, but the way I was living was, I'll be happy when, fill in the blank. I'll slow down when, fill in the blank. I'll take time and invest in relationship with Kelly and the kids more when, fill in the blank. It was, and it was, I mean, that's how I was living. And it's like, if you, if you timeline every major goal and accomplishment you'll have your entire life, and then just put them all together and put that on a timeline, it's minute. So I was like, I'm, I'm trying to get to this thing, but there's always another thing. And so everything in between, which is where life happens, not present, frustrated, anxiety, either I'm really happy because I hit a goal, I'm excited and that lasts for a short time, or I'm super anxious and I'm like nervous and trying to do this and whatever. I'm like, that is not a fun way to live. So as you're trying to like accomplish all these things, mm-hmm. I'll be happy when. Right. Uh, I'll slow down when. I love that, that phrasing. Where was Jesus in the mix of all this? Because you've been a Christian for a long time, mm-hmm. going to church faithfully. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm mean, I'm here in your house now, and I see all of the scriptures on the wall, and like clearly your faith is important to you. Mm-hmm. But where did Jesus fit in in what I'll call the hustle in the in the search for the next thing? I I think that uh, I just segmented those things. You know, I was like, I'll I'll see you on the weekend. I got stuff to do. <laughs> Which seems crazy to say, but that's kind of how I was living my life, right? Like, I always thought, I'm not going to pray about a goal. I'm not going to pray about work things. Like, he made me, he created me, he created humans. Like, he gave us faculty to learn and grow and develop. And I'm, 
I'm just, I just need to learn and grow and develop. So I got to go apply myself and work hard and do these things. And I think there's some element of truth to that. But at the end of the day, we're finite creatures. You know, we're enabled to grow, but I didn't create me. He created me. Um, so there really wasn't much of a relationship with Jesus. And in 2019, I got to a point where I was like, either I need to change jobs. I need to change careers. I need to do something different or I have to, something needs to be different because I don't want to be doing this when I'm 50, 60, mm-hmm. 65. And right. even like regardless of the income or whatever it was that I could potentially do, it was like, I don't want it anymore. Like, I don't yeah. care. And it's funny to hear that now because you like what you do. I love it. It's blast. It's fun. It's enjoyable. But in, by time 2019, I wasn't enjoying it. I was driving in with a headache, driving home with a headache, not enjoying it. My workouts were basically, um, that was the, I was the outlet, you know, and there are worse outlets, I guess, than working out. But like I worked out so that I could sustain the drudgery of training in and going to work and coming back. I think that's really important for me to hear as your friend, for us to hear as an audience, because a lot of times the problem is not our job. The problem isn't always our circumstances. Sometimes the problem is an internal thing happening most mm-hmm. of the time, right? Mm-hmm. And so here you are a couple of years later, still in the same job, loving it. Having more fun than I've ever had in my entire career. <laughs> right. <laughs> same job you were doing in 2019. Yeah. It's like, wait, that should be an eye-opening thing. Yeah. Like, it's possible to move fast and slow at the same time. It's possible to live in a state of being present and fulfilled and whole and uh, connected to Jesus doing the exact same thing you were doing three years ago. So I want to ask you, like, what changed? Everything and nothing. (laughs) Because I'm married to Kelly. We have four awesome kids. We live in the same house. I have the same job. But yet everything is different and new, (laughs) which is kind of wild. I mean, God's, God's grace is so good, man. Just the, just the interruption in, like our pastor always talks about, um, life's circumstances ripen people to the gospel. And I think life's circumstances also ripen people to what God has for them. So I was living, I had assurance of salvation. I know where I'm going when I'm done here on this earth. Um, but between now and then, I got a lot of stuff to do and I'm just going to do whatever I need to do. But what's different now is God calls us to living a holy life and to living a life in communion with him, like spending time with him. So now, you know, my goal sheets and all the things I have, like they have incorporated in, they're like, what are my priorities? What are my priorities with my relationship with God? What are my priorities with Kelly and the kids? I just feel like I'm living in a different rhythm and a different pace than I was before. different everything and nothing that's crazy like he literally is living the exact same life today that he was living pre-breakdown like right in 2019 there's this quote uh by john orberg and I, i love it i'll read it to you it says for many of us the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will skim our lives instead of actually living them. When I think about Justin's story, when I think about my story, if I'm being really honest, that quote may sum it up. I'm going to heaven, but between now and then, I just got to hustle and forget the collateral damage. It is what it is. 
And it all comes down to this practice of slowing literally changed Justin's life, his family, his marriage, his ability to be a great dad, and ultimately, most importantly, his connection with God. That word, mediocre. Yeah, settle for a mediocre version of it. Yes, is... It's gripping, isn't it? Yeah. It is startling, and then I think as it sinks in, I'm like, that's terrifying. I don't think any of us desire to live a mediocre or less than mm-hmm. life than what was designed for and us why to have, live. Yeah, and why have so many people that we know and have yet to meet, but so many people, like I'm 39, we're about the same age. We're, Big birthday coming up. Yeah, there it is. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, raised in great churches, but we've got to a point in our lives where we've actually realized this quote, Mm -hmm. Justin is another one of those guys and countless other men and women that we get to walk with who have like, oh my gosh, I get to this crossroads is like, is this really all there is with this life with Jesus? Mm -hmm. The answer is a huge, massive no, but we have settled Mm. knowingly and unknowingly for this mediocre version of it. Yeah. We've let culture dictate terms. Right. Really. I mean, that's what we've done. Well, this is just how it is. Really, was it that way in, you know, 1983 when stores were closed on Sunday? (laughs) No. Was it that way in 1950 when retirement wasn't even a word in our vocabulary? No. We have let culture Mm. uh, define terms on what our our life looks like and ultimately... For being honest, what our relationship with God looks like, because it's just it's just different cultural. And the thing is, we as Christians, you know, speaking to me and the people in my circle, close and, and broad, like a lot of times, what we say is like, "Yeah, I'm going to heaven, so I'm good." But we live this life that is really uh, counter to the gospel. If we're just being really honest with ourselves. Because the output of hurry does not produce love, doesn't produce the fruit of the Spirit. It produces carnage on our soul. Mm. But we justify it, I think, with like, but I'm going to heaven, so I'm good. But what happens between here and eternity really, really, really matters for our family, you know, for those around us, for our ability to bring other people into the kingdom of God. And that's why this practice really, 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 really matters. It's why it's so dang practical, too. We're going to dive into that in just a sec, but... Holy cow, it's a big deal. That's what I'm trying to say. It's a big deal. (laughs) It's a big deal. I think, uh, yeah, and he talked about like inviting and leading others into the kingdom, but gosh, like we forget that the kingdom is now. You got it. Like Mm -hmm. it is God's heavenly kingdom, but Jesus, when Jesus came and walked the earth and did all that he did, Mm -hmm. his purpose was to bring the kingdom. He brought the kingdom. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's here. And like you said, between here and there, whatever you think there is, sure. uh, whatever that eternity is, you know, kind of thing, another episode. Uh, <laughs> but, but that really matters. And that is like, I, when Jesus says, I came to bring life to the full, he didn't mean the full life is at the end of this yeah. earthly life. That's right. No, it's right now. It's in the kingdom. I want to ask you, Kelly, when you think about the practice of slowing, like how would you define this practice? Yeah, I think when I look at it through the lens of hustle, then it allows me to see that when we're hustling, Justin used the word preoccupied, we are not at our best selves. I'm not being my best self when my mind is there and it's not allowing me to be present. And I don't know about you guys, but I've sat with people and I've been on the receiving end of them 
not being present with me. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> I'm not. Because <laughs> you can't look at me. <laughs> I'm staring to a blank space in the wall. Right, <laughs> Just right. kidding. Yeah, yeah. We know what it feels like to be on the receiving end of mm-hmm. that. And we know how that impacts our relationships. And so that's that's mm-hmm. what it has me, you know, thinking about. Richard Foster, he's like a hero of the faith, one of Dallas Willard's, you know, lifelong friends when Dallas was alive. He defined the practice of slowing. He was one of the first to talk about it, him and John Norberg. But he says it this way, putting ourselves intentionally into situations where we have to wait. Mm. And that can, sounds like sabotage. <laughs> I can hear Bill saying, why would anybody want to do that? Well, I mean, even as someone who's like the three of us have been living this out for a while, like that still sounds like, why would I want to do that? Yes. But on the other side, what's one is of a the, lesson. Is patience a virtue of the spirit? Yeah. <laughs> Love, joy, peace, patience, yep, long suffering, yep, right? Yep. Yeah. I'll, I'll say it again. The practice of slowing is putting ourselves intentionally by choice, into situations where we have to wait. When I think of that, it's like, oh, of course, it's about presence. Mm-hmm. Presence. Uh, yeah. The opposite, by the way, of being present is being absent. Yeah, and even to varying degrees. Right. Partial presence equals also partial absence. Yeah. That's exactly or right. Or if you're not present at all, you're completely absent. Yeah, and so we've been talking about like the, the effects of this, the uh, inability to love people in the moment. Most importantly, I mean, we're supposed to love God, right, and then love others. That's really the whole mission of our faith and our relationship with Jesus at the end of the day. So if we're not present, uh, if we're in a perpetual state of hurry, we're absent to God, and then we're absent to other people. So we, we have no ability to do either of those things, mm-hmm. right? So I think the best way to like unpack this a little bit, very practically, is I want to give you a couple examples. And I just want to see what you guys would do in these situations, right? All right, so here's the first. You're at the grocery store. You have one item in your hand, right? And you're in the self-checkout line, and you are 10 people deep. You're going to have to wait. Oh, man. What do you do? Well, since I'm in the self-checkout line, I'm not in a regular line because back in the day when I was a kid or a teenager, I would look at magazine covers mm-hmm. or magazines or candy bar wrappers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but now I'm in the self-checkout line and it's 2022. Gosh, I'm probably pulling out my phone because mm-hmm. I can hide there. That's right. And which sounds weird to say because I'm an extroverted person. I'll be honest, if I didn't have my phone, I don't know. I probably talk to people, but I feel like everybody else is on their phone, so it'd be a weird yeah. thing. Right. Mm-hmm. What do you do, Kel? Yeah, I'm going to scroll. You're going to scroll, I'm right. I'm going to text back those couple of people. I'm going to got to use my time. You're going to hustle? We have to hustle. Right. <laughs> so, Get the things done. What did yeah. you say about boredom, Josh? We don't know oh, how to be bored? We don't. We have a problem with being bored. I see it in my kids, and, you know, yeah. it does go to psychology and biology, mm-hmm. too. We, we talked before in different episodes about the neural pathways and and all of those things. But I do feel like I just got this picture, like they put music in elevators for a reason to just kind of diminish the awkward silence. I mean, your phone kind of is that elevator music in those moments where maybe you are just standing still. But we are missing an opportunity to be present to somebody around us. And that's the reason I bring up that example. So uh, admittedly, it might not be the best example, but let me give you a really, really good one, all right? Here's the scenario. Your kid plays whatever sport they're going to play. You're in the car and traffic is heavy, right? So just picture yourself behind the wheel, traffic's heavy. 
Metro Detroit Rush Hour. Yeah, we'll go with your kid, Josh. Can we just assume I'm already probably running late? (laughs) (laughs) Fair. Okay. Touche. We're being honest today. That's right. So, Josh, Levi's in the back seat, right? And he's going to whatever practice he's in. And you're 10 miles away. Mm -hmm. 10 miles. That's not very far. You're not on the highway. You're on normal streets. And there is a, a person who's going five miles under the speed limit and you're late. What do you do? First, I see if there's a shoulder. <laughs> no, no, no mailboxes. I'm looking for any opportunity to zigzag around. Like right. left lane fa- is supposed to be the faster lane. I'm looking for that second lane. Yep. I'm right. going to pass them. Exactly. Like, of course, everybody's going to pass them. Yeah. Right? And you may even like drive way over the speed limit to get because you're late. Never done that. You're right. What do you do? Uh, you're already 20 minutes late, so know, <laughs> you give, up, give up and go home. <laughs> yeah, it's turn well, around. it's over. You know, what's interesting is I'm like thinking about where we live. There's three different ways to our house, mm-hmm. like through the sub or this street or this street. And I'm always calculating, wait, which one would be fastest? Mm-hmm. If I'm coming from this point, which would be fastest? Right. So yeah, I'm cruising around trying to find the, right. the we, quickest route. We're all doing that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's the truth of that situation, right? Mathematically, how much time are you going to save? You're only 10 miles away. I'm so glad you brought this up. And I'm not a math person, but I have also seen or read about this. It was something on the highway. Like if you go, I think it said- If a train is moving. No, (laughs) visceral reaction here. Uh, But it was something along the lines of, I hope I'm not stealing your- answer a thunder tim no, do but it. something like like even if you drive 15 miles an hour over the speed limit on a highway mm-hmm. right i think it's something like over the course of like 40 miles you maybe get there one minute quicker Bingo. is it something like the, am i right yeah no you're not far off i don't actually know but what it the blew math is. my mind and i was like that can't be right so because so i always drive 10 85. miles away right you're not far like no. most of us like whatever soccer practice it's within 10 miles it should be it should yeah. be right mm-hmm. You're going to say that most a minute if we're being really generous. Crazy. It is crazy. Wow. But you cutting around that guy internally getting really mad, your blood pressure going up. What else is happening in that moment? So many things. So many things. At, at best, nobody else sees it except your kid in the back. At worst, you arrive ticked off, angry, blood pressure high. How do you think your ability to connect to your Heavenly Father in real time or to those around us is going to be not great. Probably not even an option. Out the window. Right. The best thing you could do in that moment in your family, here you go, Levi, dad's out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what's interesting is I'm like, anyone who's listening, I know we have all tried to race the GPS before. All of us. I don't think there's anyone like who isn't guilty no. of yeah. that. Right. So here's my whole point, right? I'm just trying to give really practical examples of like, what does this practice of slowing mm-hmm. look like? So going back to Foster's definition, it's the intentional choice to make ourselves wait, right? I'm paraphrasing, okay? Why? It's so that we can learn the practice of allowing our internal posture to match our external posture. And so we have to learn to wait. We have to learn to slow down. The output of that is being able to be present to God in real time. That's what spiritual rhythm is all about, is being able to hear his voice, connect to him, not just on Sunday morning, but throughout the day. That's what a relationship is. We're talking throughout the day. He speaks, I listen, right? I speak. Hopefully he listens if it's, you know, if it's in line with his heart. And then we're doing this thing together. We're moving freely and lightly. That's the whole point of the podcast. How are we going to do that if we don't have a little patience and learn 
to slow. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole point of this, being able to move slow in a fast world. And so our conviction is we have to learn how to slow down. So what I would just want to ask, like, in just a second is, like, what are some of your favorite practices? Because when we designed this episode and when we put this episode in the sequence of all the things we're doing this year, it was intentional. Our kids are about to go back to school. The practices are about to start up, right? The soccer practice for my kids is rowing and swimming and dance and gymnastics and all the stuff. Our lives are about to speed up. And so this is a great opportunity for us to practice, put into place the practice of slowing. So my question to you is, Kelly, what's your favorite thing to do to practice this thing called slowing? Yeah, I think if you're a parent, you can probably relate to this. But when it is time for my kids to go to bed, I'm done. I'm ready to clock out. I'm done for the day. I don't have any snacks. I don't have anything else nice. I want to kick my feet up on the couch. That's time that. I don't have any snacks. <laughs> Only a mom would say snacks. that, right? We have colored all the yes. things. All the crafts are done. <laughs> Everything's done. I want to kick my feet up on the couch. I want to hang with Tim for you know a few minutes together before we crash. And so what I have realized about our girls, and at least the season we're in now, but quite a few seasons prior to this, is they really start to contemplate life and faith and friendships and, you know, All the deep stuff purpose and calling. Right. I do. I feel like they start to really open up at night. And instead of giving them kind of my last leftovers, I really try and be intentional about being present or giving them my full attention, listening, allowing them to space to share their hearts and taking time to pray with them. I really want to, you know, toss them in bed and run out the door. But mm-hmm. I really think that that's when a lot of our intentional time. And you're really good at it. That's my you did practice. It last night. You I did didn't it last, want to. You did it really well last but night. But yes. I think that's a way that I can show up and be present and mm-hmm. not be hurried. Yeah. You know what Bill does at the end of the night? This isn't mine because he I don't do this. He does. After he puts the kids to bed, he goes out, at least in the summertime, he goes out in the backyard and he lights a fire. He's got a fire pit and he reads a book instead of watching TV. And I really admire that about him. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, because... He's saying, I could do this thing and distract myself, but instead I choose to spend time with the Father and uh, review the day and just read and relax. It's it's a beautiful thing. So that's what Bill does. Josh, what do you do? What's a practice um, of slowing? So I've got a few things because this practice fleshed out in my life, like on the other side of living and moving slowly is margin, right? Mm-hmm. So it's one thing to start your day slow, which I do. Got a whole episode on that mm-hmm. one. That's right. um, it's another thing, like you just mentioned with Bill, ending the day slow, Kelly, you're literally you're saying, I'm making margin to move slower during this time so I can connect with the girls. Awesome. I do a couple of things. Practically, walks are awesome. So mm-hmm. it's Michigan when it's nice out. Mm-hmm. Rachel and I will take a walk around the block or to a park in our neighborhood. Sometimes we invite the kids and it's open-ended. If you want to come, cool, awesome. We're going to move at a slower pace and do that. If you don't want to come, cool. Rachel yeah. and I just get to walk. The other thing I do that's really practical is in my day, I'm not the greatest at time blocking, but I've learned the hard way. If I don't put like margin between things, I'll run 
tasks and projects and work and appointments, like they'll overlap. And I find myself super stressed out. I can't be fully present because I'm thinking about the next thing. So if I'm at lunch with someone I deeply care about, but I did it again, and I've got mm-hmm. something in 15 minutes, my mind's already there. Mm-hmm. I'm in that hurry and that hurry is that enemy kind of thing. So I, I'm, I'm trying to make that margin. I, and I've seen this change your life. I really have paid attention to this in the last six months. I'm like, he's got margin on the ends of those kind of, particularly like you have coffee and lunch with a lot of people yeah. intentionally. You're, yep. you know, you're trying to pour into them. It's really cool to see that mm-hmm. because you come out of that refreshed, mm-hmm. energized, mm-hmm. not yeah. frantic. Right. You know, right. You know, one of mine is, and, and this is very, very new, probably the last six months. Um, and, and Josh, I, the way I'm implementing it is I stole your little notebook idea. Love it. Right. From, I forget which episode it was, yeah. but I took that and I'm like, what if instead of like the eight critical things I need to do, like, what if it were the five things I'm, that God's prompting me to implement in my own life, spiritual practices, right? So one of them on the concept of slowing is to look people in the eyes. Such a big one. Yeah. And, and I, so uncomfortable sometimes. I have unpacked this uh, with the help of a counselor over the years on why I have struggled with this so much over the wow. years. And it comes from a place of shame, and that's a long story maybe for another time. But one of the things God uh, revealed to me about about six, eight months ago is he's like, you're going to have a really hard time loving people if you don't see them. Mm. And so it- like I literally, literally see them. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so I've got a long ways to go, but I'm, I'm getting a lot better at it and I'm getting more comfortable with it. And I, until I started prepping for this uh, episode, I didn't really connect that to slowing. It takes effort to look somebody in the eyes and say, hey, how are you doing? And care enough to get the real response. We talked about that. But in the then beginning. stay there. But then stay there. That's right. And continue to see them for where they're at and who they are. And um, gosh, it's like one of the most loving things. Like when when you feel seen and known and heard, it's a big deal. And the thing for me is that's a practice on slowing because it takes time and effort, and I can't be in a hurry. And so I'm present to the moment. We were traveling some this summer as a family, and it was really sweet to see that play out. I often make friends at the grocery store. Just, I'm going to talk to anyone. haven't met anyone that's not a friend. Tim's been witness to that. But to see you engage with people and, I don't know, take time to know someone or encourage that, it's just been really beautiful to see that. Thanks. And think, yeah. about, think about Jesus. We were joking about this earlier, but I was like, I don't think Jesus was picking stuff out of his sandals when he was talking, you know, to the woman at the well, or when he, when he was walking in a crowd and looked up and saw Zacchaeus in the tree, he wasn't looking down at his phone, like, Hey, Zacchaeus. So like, um, I'm going to eat at your house tonight. Is that cool? Awesome. Later, man. Exactly. You know, without making making eye, right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, I'd love to think that, I mean, it's gotta be true. Jesus was literally looking at these people in the eye, fully present. Yeah. Well, there's a great book that we love. You've heard us talk about it before, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Justin references it in his interview, which is going to come out in a couple of weeks. And and it's one of our favorite books. It, honestly, friends, it's like required reading material. So please, please grab that book if you don't already have it. But in, in the back, the very last chapter is about the practice of slowing. And I can't urge you enough, there's like 20 things that you can do in there that would help, uh, things like driving the speed limit and 
putting your phone in focus mode and some other different things uh, along the way. But we can't recommend that enough. On top of that, the uh, next episode we have is Justin Thomas's full interview. We're not spoiling it by showing you what's in this, uh, the little clip that we gave you in this conversation. You really should uh, check it out. So do us a favor, hit that subscribe button so that you're notified when that episode drops. And the other thing too is if you know somebody who's chasing the American dream or struggling with their faith because they're so dang busy, they're like, hey, I don't have time for God. You got to listen to this interview. Um, you're going to learn so much from Justin's story and you don't want to miss it. So check it out in two weeks pass it along to a friend. And hey, if you love the podcast, do us a favor, like rate it, give us a little comment, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. So, all right, Josh, Kelly, you know what time it is, right? Yes. Three things we love. All right, friends, it's one of our favorite parts of this podcast. Three Things We Love is our chance to share a little joy, spread it into your life by telling you about three things that we've recently discovered and we absolutely love and we think you're going to too. Now, you know the disclosure. We're not trying to promote anything. Uh, We don't make any money off this. Here's it. We're just trying to simply say we love this and we think you will too. So you should check it out. Josh, what do you got for us? I carry it with me everywhere I go. No, it's not my Bible. (laughs) Are you funny? So I'm holding it right now, and it was a gift from you, Tim. It is a pocket knife, not just any pocket knife. This is a Benchmade. So if you're a knife guy, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a knife guy, but I carry a knife. You know what I mean? If there's a knife guy out there, you're like, oh, I've got drawers of knives. Kelly's looking weird. I am yeah. not I got a couple a knife friends guy. Like there's a whole <laughs> you know who you are. They're on YouTube. They're talking about all the, the blade technology. It's not that. This is the Benchmade. I think, is this the Bug Out 2? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a few of them. I don't know why it's called Bug Out, but probably for tactical reasons. So pretty. This one's got my name on it, the meaning of my name. It's super special. Like I said, it was a gift. And I carry it. It's slim. It's a light. It's more of like a composite handle. It's got mm-hmm. a little clip on it. I'm not an everyday carry guy, so I don't. I don't. You know, I don't have the flask and two pistols, um, three pens. <laughs> You're not and Peter McKinnon. Seven knives, right? Yeah. No, no, no. And if that's your thing, cool. We all got our thing. Carry all the stuff. This is. Uh, it's been super practical. Yeah. So I cut a lot of fruit. A lot of handheld fruit gets mm-hmm. cut with this. Take it fishing, and I wash it after. And it's super practical. I mean, we all know it's a pocket knife opening boxes to I got a sliver out of my wife's fingernail in the Rocky Mountains with it last yeah, and week. it just I mean, let's be honest if you're a guy it feels awesome to carry a knife it does until you go into a government building and they tell you <laughs> to go put it in the car yeah. and that's happened to me well, at, at a courthouse I was in the arriving at the airport about to get in the TSA line had oh, not no. checked my bag and I was like Oh, I got to check my knife. Yeah, because you carry it every day. So it's just in your pocket. So the real cool, um, the origin story of this is that I was actually given given another Benchmade knife before this. Mm. I was in Brazil on a missions trip. New friend, David, incredible guy. This is years ago. He's a search and rescue swimmer for the Coast Guard. Wow. Oh, Um, and that's his knife. 
and like we're in the jungle kind of thing and I don't have a knife. Yeah. He's like, I brought three. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. And he hands me this knife and it's bright orange. And he tells me the story, like only you can only get it in the service because mm-hmm. it's bright orange so mm-hmm. you don't lose it. But it's a big bulky knife. And it was such a great gift. I carried that knife with me forever until Tim, you gave me this other one. And this one's obviously smaller. Well, I compact. regifted it to you, Josh, because you gave me it for my 40th birthday. That was the start. That was and the start. I, it's black on black. It's just beautiful. Cool. And I'm like, my friend Josh needs one of these. Hey, so. You knew. Here I am just waiting patiently for someone to get me a knife. Do you want for a knife? For my birthday? No. Uh, you want a knife? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so Glitter, you're just carrying glittery. <laughs> well, uh, so I suppose your uh, thing you love is not a knife. What it's do you got for us It's not a knife. Today? Okay, if we are talking about our favorite things, I have to share one of my favorite things, and it's Dude Perfect. It is something that our family has watched for years, but we also just had the opportunity to see them in person because they were on tour. And you guys, from Tim all the way down to our youngest, Harper, we were like captivated by mm-hmm. them the entire time. So if you're watching them or not, I cannot recommend enough there it is. that you check <laughs> them out. <laughs> They're awesome. You should check them out. It is the epitome of joy and fun and play. I never yeah. have to worry about their content for our kids. It's super family friendly. Mm-hmm. And if you want to check out a particular, probably my favorite, it's the floating island challenge Ooh. is my favorite. Mm-hmm. We were talking about this earlier. I'm like cut from the cloth of the original Do oh, Perfect. Gee. Yeah. So this, like, I remember like YouTube was young, very few things, if anything, had really gone viral. Mm-hmm. And then um, this is how much like I'm not really connected to them right now. I don't remember their names. You guys probably know. But like original dude, I think it's University of Alabama. Mm-hmm. Top of the stadium. Te- Texas Texas. Mm-hmm. See that? Yeah. yeah. Throws it like through a basket football. And I was just like, what is this? And then it went from there. Like mm-hmm. those, I still go back and watch those yes. ones. Well, and I'm guessing our audience is like, yeah, no kidding, dude, perfect. It really like if you haven't checked out their stuff in a while, you should check it out. In, in particular, I was going to tell you, Josh, their documentary. It's an hour I, long. I know you said it. It's I, fantastic. Again, it's on the so, list. Beautiful. Yeah, we'll it's link to it in the, the show notes. Uh, you, you really, you should watch it. I do think I should tell you one thing. If you do ever check them out on tour and you're bringing your kids, you need to have this conversation before you go. <laughs> I'm sharing from experience <laughs> oh, where I had to tell our youngest, we are going to see Dude Perfect. Watch. We're not going to meet them. We're going to see That's a different kind of experience. Them. It is. Oh. And I just think the way you frame it can I, be really important. I think that's just a thing that our kids have picked okay. up from me, yes. if oh. I'm just being okay. really honest. So, uh, so we see them from far away. When do we get to go yes. talk yeah. to them? Yeah. No, we, exactly. don't. we don't. No so. high fives. I have a question about them. So in like the music world, you've got your great bands and bands you love, and then you go see them live. And it's one of two things. It's either, like, they're either better live mm-hmm. or they're just not. Or is it different? Is Dude Perfect better live than on YouTube? Or are they just totally different experiences? Hmm. There's no wrong answer. I would say they're the same people, personality, the, okay. energy, the whole thing. There's no way to replicate the experience of video because obviously yeah. you know, lots of edits and yes. all that kind of stuff. But equally enjoyable. Cool. 
Yeah, it translated so well. Translated, I was yeah. really impressed with it. Yeah. Like, how do you translate trick shots? Yeah, yeah. And, they I mean, did it very well. One of the cool things to do after the experience is, you know, to like, hey, if you want to stick around and learn a little bit more about the behind the scenes. Oh, I love that. We'd love to share with you cool. how we've stayed around. But guess what they do? They share their faith. Love it. And they're like, hey, the beautiful. only way we've been able to stick around together for 13 years is because of our relationship with Jesus. Oh, it's man. not long or overdone. It's, it's five sure, minutes. Sure. That, real that's, yeah, that's why we... You know, that was pretty cool. Love it. All right. Well, since Bill's not here, I get to, you know, share mine. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to uh, replicate, if you will, what Bill would say, Bill would probably give you a book and <laughs> or a spreadsheet. <laughs> Bill, we love you. But in all seriousness, there's a book that I is quickly becoming one of the most regifted books that I give out. There's a couple of them that over the years, but this one, it's a book by Josh Ship called The Grown-Up's Guide to Teenage Humans. Oh my gosh, I love that. It is fantastic. And uh, I, speaking of, I read it because you read it and like you were Oh, like, I didn't know that. Yeah, you okay. mentioned the book and I was like, oh, that sounds good. And you said, you got to read it. And I did. Absolutely. And it's not really a book as much as it is is like a, a field guide or- it's, Yeah, manual. A manual, yeah, right? It really is what and, it says, yeah. And the great thing is, is it breaks down every stage of your kid physically- emotionally and spiritually, because Josh Ship is a Christian, although he doesn't write from a Christian perspective, Sure, expert in his field. And I picked it up because our friend Adam Mashney told me about it. He's mm-hmm. a middle school pastor. Yep. And one of our, our oldest kid was kind of going through that transition from you know, being a kid to being a middle schooler. And I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. I'm lost. I'm screwing this up. I've never well, done this before. Why are we arguing all the time? <laughs> all the time. And I read this chapter... And it was like, oh, this is what's going on in her brain, body, soul. It was a lifesaver. And so, uh, and, and I've got it, you know, for the next couple of stages we go through. I literally just mailed it to a new friend of mine in Chicago. I'm like, hey, you have to, you've got to read this book. So, Josh Ship, The Grown Up's Guide to Teenage Humans. I can't recommend it enough. Friends, you're going to love it. So, check it out. So, there you have it. Three things we love, and we think you will too. The Benchmade Bug Out 2, Dude Perfect, I'm going to say the documentary, and Josh Ship's book, The Grown-Up's Guide to Teenage Humans. Friends, we hope you enjoyed this show. We're going to put all the links in the show notes so you can check them out. We hope this brings a little joy to your life as you pursue Jesus. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Free and Light. We'll see you next time. Free and Light is a podcast of Sequel Ministries. We believe that life to the full comes out of an intimate connection with Jesus. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit us at sequel.org slash donate.